Seventy-five years after its publication, the diary of Anne Frank remains among the most widely read books in the world. Blinkering between hope and despair, the account of a Jewish teenager's life in hiding in an annex behind an Amsterdam warehouse gave voice and a face to millions of victims of the Nazi genocide. Yet one question has gone stubbornly unanswered all these years. Who alerted the Nazi search team in 1944 to Anne Frank and her family's hiding place? Hey, 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 welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast. I am your host, Carrie. And I am Larissa. Hello, Miss Carrie. How are you today? I am very good. So I, strangely enough, I think I told you on our last show, I've been kind of in a World War II phase right now. Oh. I was struggling to find the word. And I thought it was kind of ironic. Uh, I wanted to share this on our little novella that we do. Mm. And Frank was in the news again, that retired FBI agent, Again, what was she in? I mean, has she been in the news a lot lately? Because I feel like she's been dead a while. I know, exactly. But every few years, it seems like you'll hear like something with Anne Frank. Did you ever see her house that she was in? I did. We went there. It's so small, right? It was itty bitty. And it was so vertical. I don't even know how they scampered up and down the ladder like stairs. Yeah. I call this the most visited crime scene in the world because so many people from all over the world, you know, millions of people come here. So when you come here for the first time, what are you looking for? Well, as an investigator, I want to see what's in the area. Of course, I want to see inside the building. I want to reconstruct how the actual arrest took place and who participated in it. Pankoke and his team spent hours in the annex looking for any clue, however remote. So you can see it right right through those bushes. He also cased the exterior, today almost exactly as it was then. This is the courtyard that is behind the annex. And it's, as you can see, it's totally enclosed. This courtyard area is surrounded by the buildings of the neighborhood. I'm thinking one cough that gets overheard, one window that happens to be open at the wrong time. The sheer risk factor here is extraordinary. It is extraordinary. When we first started the case, one of the theories that was out there is that the raid may have been caused by somebody in the immediate area seeing something, hearing something, and reporting it. So therefore, we tracked and identified every resident that lived in this block and adjacent streets. Do you remember when Justin Bieber created all that uh, fury when he said if Anne Frank was alive, she'd be a a, be- a believer? What are his followers <sighs> called? Yes, a believer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So I thought this story was interesting because there's actually another documentary right now, very similar that I wanted to tell you about, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. So Anne Frank, according to this retired FBI agent, he approached this as if he was working a cold case. Uh And they also used computer algorithms and they collected all this data and they fed it into a computer. I think they did this because they referred to it and it sounds very similar to the Zodiac documentary. The Zodiac Killer, America's most infamous unidentified serial killer. Gets chopped up for no reason at all. Zodiac claims 37 victims. 
seen only in glimpses. You're pretty much on the verge of finding this man. Well, I wouldn't want to say that. Heard only in his taunting letters. He is killing just for the thrill. He said he hid his name in his code. A bizarre set of letters and symbols that has beaten every attempt to decode it. Look at this. Look at this. Until now. Two top investigators. You gotta get dirty to do this job. You gotta get down and dirty. With unprecedented access to police files. That puts a whole other spin on this case. Kevin, I don't think this was an empty threat. Will feed clues and leads to an all-star team of code breakers. It's possible Zodiac is still out there. Armed with a supercomputer programmed to break the code by thinking like the killer. Anytime we press that enter key, we might see the solution on the other end. If this is Zodiac, it is monumental. New evidence. That could be Zodiac's DNA. New witnesses. Was this guy a military? Yeah. Time to kill things. And the cooperation of law enforcement and the FBI. And that can be a game changer. Holy s***. He's talking about building an explosive. Crack the code? Can. We got a hit. Find the Zodiac killer. Boom. I've cracked the Zodiac 340 cipher. This is the biggest breakthrough in cryptology in the last 50 years. And they believe that she was betrayed by a Jewish notary who told the Nazis where she was hiding because he was saving his own family. His family, even though it was in this Nazi territory, were the only, were like one of the only ones to actually not get taken to a concentration camp. And after the war, her father, the only one that survived, was trying to figure out who betrayed them. And then all of a sudden he just dropped it. So for personal reasons, they think he probably dropped it because, you know, at that time there was still a lot of anti-Semitism and yeah. thinking that he, he didn't want to wade into that. Vince Pancoke had turned in his badge and gun. He was two years into a comfortable Florida retirement when his phone rang in the spring of 2016. I received a call from a colleague from the Netherlands who said, if, you, if you're done laying on the beach, we have a case for you. Were you laying on the beach? I was actually driving to the beach. I wasn't quite there yet. Pancoke spent three decades as an FBI special agent targeting Colombian drug cartels. His work had also taken him to the Netherlands, where his investigative chops left an impression. 4,000 miles away in Amsterdam, Thijs Bayens, a Dutch filmmaker and documentarian, had been asking around for a credentialed investigator to dig into a question that he feels Holland has never quite reckoned with, one that gets to the essence of human nature. For me, it was really important to investigate what makes us uh, uh, give up on each other. The area where Anne Frank lived is very normal, and it's a very warm area with the butcher and the doctor and the policeman. They worked together. They loved each other. They lived together. And suddenly, people start to betray on each other. How could that happen? Of the millions, literally millions of stories to come out of the Holocaust, why do you think this one resonates the way it does? I think right after the war, people were shown the concentration camps, the atrocities that took place, the horror. And suddenly you find this innocent, beautiful, very smart, funny, talented girl. And she, as a lighthouse, comes out of the darkness. And then I think humanity said, this is who we are.
Don't you think they would have killed Vandiver after he ratted everyone out? I they, thought he so didn't too. Have any mercy on anyone? Don't you no. think they would have? The people would cooperate with them. They'd make deals, and then they'd still they'd end up dead. Shoot him the next day. Yeah. I mean, I understand that they probably got as many names of him out of him as they could, but it just seems like at a certain point he would have run out of names, and they just would have said, "Well, well, you know, of no use to the Nazis." Didn't really make deals, but I guess. I mean, it does make sense. The part about him ratting them out makes sense. The part of him about making it through the Holocaust alive doesn't make sense to me. But apparently he did, right? The research is documented in a new book, The Betrayal of Anne Frank. It's by Rosemary Sullivan, and she joins us now. Rosemary, this is fascinating. Talk to us about the significance of this Discovery, you don't say it was definitely Vandenberg, but you just talk about the evidence that points to it, the significance of that discovery. Well, as you say, it's been 77 years since uh, the uh, arrest. And so um, to be absolutely definite is very difficult. We have circumstantial evidence, but it indicates that um, an, an anonymous note that was given to Otto Frank after he returned from the uh, Auschwitz camp, having lost his entire family, the anonymous note uh, identified Vandenberg as the uh, person who had given over addresses of Jews in hiding. I think that's important. Vandenberg did not know who, who might be at those addresses. Indeed, even if people were still in hiding at those addresses, but he used that list, it would seem, to gain his freedom and the freedom of his family. And one of the significant points is that there was never any indication that Vandenberg was uh, in a concentration camp. Yeah, apparently uh, Vandenberg, as his name, was on these councils. They had these Jewish councils. And again, I'm probably strangling. I'm giving you a very layman's term of it. Mm -hmm. And by this time that they were disbanding, but these councils are specifically Vandenberg kind of had an idea where there could be Jews hiding in and around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the reason why I pulled it up is there's one right now, I think on Netflix with the Zodiac Killer. The Zodiac Killer, America's most infamous unidentified serial killer. Gets chopped up for no reason at all. Zodiac claims 37 victims. Seen only in glimpses. You're pretty much on the verge of finding this man. Well, I wouldn't want to say that. Heard only in his taunting letters. He is killing just for the thrill. He said he hid his name in his code. A bizarre set of letters and symbols that has beaten every attempt to decode it. Look at this. Look at this. Until now. Two top investigators. You got to get dirty to do this job. You got to get down and dirty. With unprecedented access to police files. That puts a whole other spin on this case. Kevin, I don't think this was an empty threat. We'll feed clues and leads to an all-star team of codebreakers. It's possible Zodiac is still out there. Armed with a supercomputer programmed to break the code by thinking like the killer. Anytime we press that enter key, we might see the solution on the other end. But what do you think overall about them now taking all these new techniques and looking at these cold cases like they did with Jack the Ripper, the Zodiac Killer. Basically, computers are going to be solving these things. Do you think they're accurate? I, think, I do think it's amazing. I mean, 
In most of these cases, there's some evidence that has led us to use the computer. There's got to be something there that substantiates it. They're all cold cases, right? Mm-hmm. So they've been they've exhausted every other technique. I think I think, in my opinion, there is some reliability in it. I mean, they've been working on these cases for years. So for them to be able to plug stuff into a computer and reach a logical conclusion conclusion. I don't think it's like, oh, uh, you know, a Patty Smith from down the street who bakes cookies is the murderer of 25, you know, women. Mm-hmm. That might be far-fetched, but it, I think it ultimately always leads to someone who was in the case originally, they just couldn't find definitive proof. So, I mean, I think it's great. Plus, you've got all these armchair detectives out there, podcasters who are like doing the work. Did you watch the season of Dexter, by the way? No, I didn't. I didn't. I've been watching Fringe. I've been addicted to it. Oh my! On the treadmill. Um. Okay, I need to write that one down now. Uh. Yeah. So it was all about. It wasn't all about, but there was a podcaster involved who, spoiler alert, gets murdered. <laughs> uh, is there any cases that you can remember, maybe from your childhood or young twenties, that you would want to see solved now? Because you always hear about the big ones, like John Benet Ramsey. Well, I do want to see that one solved, 100%. I want to hear Madeline McCann. Is there any other stories from when you were growing up or young 20s where you heard about them? Or I mean, they're local stories. I think I told you that one about that little boy who they found under his house. No, no. I think I mentioned this. So it's in the town I grew up in. And a three-year-old disappeared. And his mom, they lived in a trailer, right? Mm-hmm. And they found the the kid like two months later under the trailer mm-hmm. dead, like he had been killed. Um, and the mom was a meth addict and nothing ever resulted of it. That's crazy. Did you, do you, speaking of babies, do you remember the, it was all over Routier, Rout, I can't even pronounce the last name where the woman was sleeping downstairs with her two sons. And she said a, a intruder came in with a knife. Do you remember that one? Oh no. What's going on, man? A mother's throat is slashed and her two young sons are murdered. It was a bloodbath. And when a crime like that happens, there's someone in the house that did this. No motive, no explanation. By God, somebody is going to pay for these two boys being murdered. A blonde, materialistic, a temptress. The state will be seeking the death penalty in this case. It just didn't seem real. I know that I'm innocent. Oh, yeah. Darlene Ruth. Rudy, I can't say the last name. It's a very French. Yeah, that one's a that one's an interesting case too. I like I said, I'm very easily swayed. I will believe somebody's really guilty, and then all of a sudden, if the defense even shows a shred of evidence that they might not be, then Mm -hmm. I oh, there's one obsessed with. I am being accused of killing someone when I was 13 years old. Your charges are felony murder and especially aggravated robbery. This is ridiculous. I don't want to grow old in prison because I've never done anything. So what? That's what's scary. Channel 3 was there on scene when police found 68-year-old Franklin Bonner's body. His home was ransacked and Bonner had duct tape over his mouth and nose, which caused him to suffocate. 
there was this girl and they, the show follows through the process of whether Mm -hmm. they're going to get arrested or not. She was in her early twenties. She was, she had two kids. Uh, I think she got driving with a suspended license. So they took her fingerprints and it matched up with this murder that occurred. There was a drug dealer that was tied up and killed like in his house Mm -hmm. ransacked. And so they thought maybe a gang of kids came in. Well, that drug dealer was her grandmother's drug dealer. And the only evidence they were able to get from the entire crime scene was this piece of duct tape with this eight-year-old's fingerprint on it. So her lawyer said, don't get on the stand and testify. She was either eight or 11, but it was a very inappropriate, very young age that Mm -hmm. you would think that even if they tried her, it would go through a juvenile court, like in some states, they'll sentence you under the guidelines of the juvenile system, even though you're an adult. And her grandfather testified, yeah, uh, she played with duct tape all the time. It, it was probably out of our garage or something. They suspected maybe the brother and some older teens went. And on top of it, this grandmother was using this guy as her drug dealer, her grandmother that she lived with. Wow. So anybody could have taken that roll of tape and used it. Yeah. Like that there's people coming in and out of that home. It was, you know, a lot of family members living together. Well, she didn't take the stand in her defense, which she wanted to. She got life in prison. The eight-year-old? No. No, she, as an adult, she was like yeah. 21, got life in prison, no chance of appeals. What? Wow. Yes. That one, I have to say, I would probably, even if I thought maybe she was there as a bystander or she had went there with those group of kids, she was too young. For a crime that happened when she was eight. Yeah, she was either eight or 11, but it was definitely in a very young age group where she was not the mastermind of tying this drug dealer up. I think what they intended to do was to tie the drug dealer up and he probably, I think he suffocated on the tape. Wow. 